Welcome back to another edition of the Afternoon Drive. I'm your host, Thomas Vermazen. Glad to be joining you this afternoon. Talk some hoops, college basketball, and full swing. Just finished off a weekend of madness. And this may have been the most maddening college basketball first weekend I can remember. It was something. You saw... 15 seed Oral Roberts go go and take out Ohio State, big bad Ohio State, and then Florida in the second round. So Oral Roberts, only the second time a 15 seed has advanced to the Sweet 16. Then you also had 12 seed Oregon State, who preseason was was predicted to finish last in the Pac-12, and now they find themselves in the Sweet 16. So 12-seeded Oregon State, another story to watch. And then you had 11-seeded Syracuse take out the favored Aztecs of San Diego State before taking out West Virginia in the second round. And so that's another double-digit seed that made it. UCLA, a fourth double-digit seed, an 11. They have advanced to the Sweet 16. And they actually defeated another upset, the 14th-seeded Abilene Christian team out of Texas, who beat the University of Texas. It's like little brother beating bigger brother. They pulled off the dramatic upset on Saturday night for their first NCAA win. You had some of the favorites win. You had Michigan and Gonzaga and Baylor, all one seeds advance. However, Illinois, the fourth one seed of the group, did not advance as they fell to Loyola Chicago. Yes, Sister Jean. And Loyal of Chicago is back in the big dance. You remember them from three years ago, that Final Four run? They're back, and they're in the Sweet 16 and dangerous. They'll actually be favored in their next game because they're playing the Oregon State Beavers, who I just mentioned, at a 12 seed. So Loyal of Chicago has a great chance to get back to a Final Four. So it's been a heck of a weekend. You've got the Pac-12, who were represented by five teams, and they go 9-1. and one. In the tournament so far, the only team that's out is Colorado, but you've got the other four teams still left. You've got USC, who's a six seed, and they'll be forced to play another Pac-12 team in the Sweet 16, the Oregon Ducks, at a seven seed. And then you've also got UCLA at an 11 seed. They advance to the Sweet 16, and then those Oregon State Beavers at a 12 seed. So the Pac-12 has done great in this tournament. I think a lot of folks out there did not expect the Pac-12 to do well. The Pac-12 has had a tough time in the national media the last few years in both basketball and football. Football, there's not a whole lot of respect for the Pac-12 these days. And so it's good to see the Pac-12. I'm a West Coast guy, so I like seeing the Pac-12 and the Mountain West and the WCC and the WAC. The teams out here on the West, I like to see them make a run. And so you have number one overall seed, speaking of WCC team, Gonzaga. They looked good over the weekend. They destroyed Norfolk State as they were supposed to, and then they took care of Oklahoma. And so they have moved on to play Creighton, where they should be a double-digit favorite for that game in the Sweet 16. And they may not get challenged until the Final Four. We'll see how the bracket goes. But I think Gonzaga's is the team to beat still. I talked about them in the first podcast I ever did on Smack Sports. I did a background on them, and I, I still like them. They still look good. As long as there's no injuries, they stay healthy, no COVID positive tests. 
they should they should make a final four and be in line to finally break through that glass ceiling and win that first coveted national title. So I still like them as my pick. I personally picked Houston to go to the championship and they they gave me a little bit of a scare over the weekend. They look like they might go down to a double digit seed themselves. They were down by nine with about five minutes in the game to Rutgers. And then they were able to pull it out with a 14 to two run in the last minutes of that game and, and win the game by three. So they were fortunate to move on and they play Syracuse in their next game. And so today I'll go ahead and break down a few of these games. The Sweet 16 will be here before you know it. I know I will have one more podcast before the weekend, but I'll probably focus on NBA news because I know the NBA deadline's coming up. So I'll probably break that down. That's a little preview coming up for my fourth episode. So I'm going to do the Sweet 16 breakdown for you. College basketball still fresh in everyone's mind. The weekend just came to a close. Let's look forward from the first week to the second week now. And the matchups on Saturday, it's a little different this year. Usually it starts on Thursday, but everything was pushed back. I know the first weekend was pushed back to Friday and it finished on Monday. And so this weekend, it's going to be a Saturday through Tuesday affair. And Saturday, it starts off with Oregon State Loyola Chicago. And again, let's give some background. Oregon State finished preseason to finish last in the Pac-12. And they surprised everyone. Winning the Pac-12 tournament, getting in the tournament, the big dance, was an accomplishment in itself. And then to go and win two games, defeating Oklahoma State and their star player, Cade Cunningham, who is projected to be a top three NBA pick. So that was quite a win for Oregon State. And so they're coming off that win and they're playing the Loyola Loyola Chicago Ramblers in the Sweet 16. And of course, Sister Jean is well known from three years ago as the unofficial mascot of the Loyola Chicago basketball squad. They have one guy, their star player, Cameron Crutwig, who was a contributing player from that team a few years ago. He's now a senior and he is leading the team and he's leading them well. He has played great. He had a great game against the University of Illinois. He was all over the court defensively and offensively, scoring 19 points. And he'll be a key player to watch. The offense runs through him. And Loyola Chicago is favored in that game. So they'll have a great chance to move on and play the winner of Villanova and Baylor. A little background on Villanova. They have won a couple of championships of late. Their head coach, Jay Wright, is phenomenal. And they won the 2016 and 2018 national titles. So they're looking for a third. And this would be their third in five years because last year the tournament wasn't wasn't there. There was a cancellation last year. So that would be quite an accomplishment if Villanova could somehow go on a Cinderella run because they're only a five seed this time around. You know, in in the past, they were a two seed and a one seed in the tournaments they won in 2016 and 2018. So they're only a five this year but looking to make some more noise, and they'll be playing Baylor. Baylor is one of the heavy hitters. They're one of the favorites. They're right up there with Gonzaga, and they are 24-2. and They've only lost twice all season, so they're not going to be an easy out. They're going to be favored. Baylor has had plenty of talent in the past, just hasn't quite gotten to the Final Four with their head coach, Scott Drew. So this year, they're really trying to get to that final four. That's that glass ceiling for them that they haven't quite broken through yet. And I think this year, they got a great chance. You look at that region. Again, you've got Oregon State, Loyola, 
Villanova and Baylor. Baylor will be heavy favorites. Right now, if you go by favorites, you would see Baylor and Loyola playing each other in the Elite Eight. That's that's the likely matchup. So you got to like Baylor to come out of that region. This is the year. If they're going to make the Final Four, this is the year. And then later that day, there are two more games in another region. This is the, the region I covered just now with Baylor was the South region. And the other region is the Midwest. Oh, excuse me. You know what? I had that mixed up. Baylor is in the South. Loyola Chicago is in the Midwest. So Baylor is actually scheduled to, if they advance, play the winner of Arkansas and Oral Roberts. So I had that confused. That's my fault for having those two regions mixed up. They're playing the same day, but two different regions. So Baylor would play the winner of Oral Roberts and Arkansas, not Loyola Chicago and Oregon State. So Loyola Chicago and Oregon State would play the winner of Syracuse and Houston. And so Arkansas is most likely to play Baylor. They're, they're heavy favorites. And Arkansas is a three seed. They're playing Oral Roberts and Oral Roberts is a 15. Only the second time a 15 seed has played into the sweet 16. The last time was Florida Gulf coast dunk city. And so it'll be interesting to see if they got one more win in them. Perhaps they can be the first 15 seed ever make the elite eight. If they can just capture one more victory. And again, if they win, they would play Baylor. So Baylor's, Baylor's main competition looks like Arkansas, if Arkansas can take care of Oral Roberts. And then, of course, Baylor would have to beat Villanova first. So that's the South region. Now, the Midwest, I mentioned Loyola Chicago and Oregon State. The winner of that game would play Syracuse and Houston. Now, Houston, I like. I, I think they're one of the top-tier teams. They got a two-seed. I think Houston's got a team that can contend for a championship. They almost lost the other day. They were playing against Rutgers, and that game came down the wire. They've had great teams in the past few years. They've come up short of that Final Four, but they've had some great teams. Of course, if you go back to the 80s, Hakeem Olajuwon played for Houston when they made the championship game. They haven't had that level of success since the 80s. They've had some good teams recently, but haven't quite broke through to the final four. So maybe this is a year they're going to be favored against Syracuse. Syracuse plays that two, three zone. Syracuse has been a double digit team underneath Jim Beheim, the coach three times. And what's interesting is including the two wins this year so far, they're nine and two as a double digit seed. So Syracuse obviously enjoys being an underdog. So they're not going to be afraid of the moment. They're going to be a tough out for Houston and again, if Houston can win, it's set up nicely for them because they would play a lower seed in either Loyola, Chicago, or Oregon State. That's probably the most wide open region is the Midwest because the Midwest doesn't have a one seed in it. Illinois lost. So Houston's the top seed in that region. And then again, the other region is the South, which Baylor is the favorites come out of. So right now, Baylor and Houston look good. But you never know. It's March Madness. So Loyola Chicago could continue their run. They are not going to be afraid of the moment. They proved that three years ago when they made the Final Four. Syracuse plays well as an underdog. Who knows? They could make a run even at an 11 seed to a Final Four. And then you've got these other teams that are traditionally good. Villanova is 
got a great coach. They're not going to be an easy out. And then you've got Arkansas, who's a highly rated team this year at a three seed that will also look to get into that final four. They have not made the final four since the mid nineties. That's Arkansas. And they lost in the championship game to UCLA. That was the last time UCLA won the national title. Speaking of which UCLA is in the sweet 16 as an 11 seed and they are in the East region. And these games will be on Sunday and they're playing Alabama in the sweet 16. Who's a two seed and Alabama has looked good. They're one of the favorites in the tournament. Traditionally a football team, right? Traditionally a football powerhouse, Alabama. But this year, their basketball team looks good too. And they are in the East region with Michigan and Florida State. So if they take care of UCLA, which they'll be heavy favorites, a two-seed versus an 11, they'd play the winner of number one seed Michigan or number four Florida State. Florida State's had some great success. Haven't quite made the Final Four a couple of years ago, 2018. So three years ago, they made the Elite Eight. And then two years ago in 2019, they were a Sweet 16 team, but haven't quite made the Final Four. And then Michigan, of course, is a one seed, is hoping to make the Final Four. They have been great as of late. Of course, they were in the national title game just a few years ago where they lost to Villanova. They actually beat Loyola Chicago that year in the Final Four and lost to Villanova in the championship. So they've been close to winning it all, and they have another great team this year. So that'll be a competitive region. you got the one, the two, the four. The only team missing is Texas, who were shockingly beat by Abilene Christian in the first round, and that led to UCLA opening the door for them because then they played Abilene Christian and took care of them. So they were the underdog in that region that made it. And then finally in the West region, You've got Creighton, a five seed, who made the Sweet 16 finally. They've had a lot of good teams in the past that weren't able to get to that second week. Uh, you may have remembered Doug McDermott, the coach's son, Greg McDermott, who's still the coach there. He was a star college player. They had some good teams, but lost in the second round. They just couldn't get past that second round. So this year they do get past the second round. They get to the Sweet 16 and assist to Ohio, the University of Ohio, who took care of Virginia, who was the four seed. They beat Virginia in an upset in the first round, which opened the door a little bit for Creighton because then Creighton played the 13-seeded Ohio Bobcats and beat them after they almost lost in the first round themselves to UC Santa Barbara, winning by a single point. So they will be matched up against the favorite, the Gonzaga Bulldogs, 28-0, and trying to capture that title. And again, to refresh the memories of all you out there, last time that happened, undefeated champion, 1976, Indiana Hoosiers and Bob Knight. So Gonzaga trying to match that record 45 years later. And the last matchup, also in the West, so Gonzaga would potentially play them in an Elite Eight matchup, is USC and Oregon, a Pac-12 matchup. And the Ducks looked great taking care of Iowa. It may have helped. They didn't have to play a first-round game. They got a bye, so so to speak, because of the COVID-positive tests on VCU, opening the door for them to advance without expending any energy. And they looked great against Iowa, defeating Luke Garza, one of the Player of the Year candidates, and the Iowa Hawkeyes, the two-seeded Iowa Hawkeyes. And USC looked phenomenal, taking care of business this weekend and 
took care of Kansas with absolutely no problem. Kansas, a traditional powerhouse, but USC looked great and they've got a great player in Evan Mobley, who is probably a top three pick. I mentioned Cade Cunningham and I mentioned Jalen Suggs on Gonzaga and Evan Mobley is another one. He's a uh, top three pick. So those are probably the top three guys going into the draft. And two of them are still playing. The one, uh, Cade Cunningham, is on Oklahoma State. They're out. They lost to Oregon State. But USC still alive, and obviously Gonzaga's still alive. So we still have those guys in the tournament. And I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to stick with my Gonzaga pick. I'll stick with my Houston pick. My other pick is Baylor to the Final Four. They looked great. Baylor looked like they did before their COVID breakout. And they were undefeated before their team started getting COVID positive tests a little while back. So they're looking like the team that was undefeated before they hit a bit of a snag there. And now they're looking fresh and ready and in rhythm. And so they're looking like a final four team. The region that's really up in the air to me is the region with Michigan because there's still some good teams in that region. You look at that region and you've got Florida state who's been knocking on the door. Now it's got talented players across the board and you've got Alabama, who's a real solid team as the two seed. So Michigan's going to have their hand, going to have their work cut out for them. Their hands are going to be full with those teams. And who knows? I, I could see any of those three winning. UCLA has looked good even at 11. See, I don't see them coming out of that region. But Alabama, Florida State, Michigan are all very good teams. Michigan, of course, is playing without one of their better players, Isaiah Livers. And so that puts them at a bit of a disadvantage. They had to really battle in the second round against an LSU Tigers team that gave them everything they could handle. So we'll see how they do in the upcoming rounds. But that region, in my opinion, is the toughest one to predict. I could see Alabama. I could see Michigan. I could even see Florida State. So we'll see. And with that said, let's bring in Big J. Big J, how did you do over the weekend? How's the bracket looking? Uh, Well, you know, uh, I got about 50% right. <laughs> I'll take 50%, Big J. I, I set the bar low. 50% to me is winning if you're picking tournament games. In March Madness, that's a pass. I'll give it a pass. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, uh, dude, check this out. Big news. Just now, this game just ended. USC put opened up a can of whoop-ass on Kansas. Yeah. Destroying I, I called them that. by 34 points. 85 to 51. Yeah, I actually called that as final, even though I, I I was keeping my eye on it too, as you know, you've mentioned it. We are recording, you know, obviously this game is still going on. So the listener can figure out what time of night we're recording this. But yes, USC, they were up so much. I just I just said USC is in the sweet sixteen, because I do. It was it was over. They they destroyed Kansas. Isaiah Mobley was their leading scorer of the night, scoring 17 points. Okay. But but other than that, man, pretty uh spread out, pretty evenly spread out amongst the teammates, man. They're playing great team ball, screen offense, passing it, and just I mean, moving it around. Uh yeah, no, USC's good. I, I think USC is gonna be a threat to Gonzaga. I think they actually have the ability to give Gonzaga a great game. I think Gonzaga will take care of Creighton, because I don't think Creighton matches up well with them. And then the Elite Eight game would be Gonzaga's real test. Because the Pac-12, USC and Oregon can both score. So 
they can keep up with Gonzaga scoring. And Gonzaga is number one in the country scoring the ball. So somebody that wants to beat him is going to have to score. And so I could see USC and Oregon being able to do it potentially. Yep. USC and Gonzaga do play a similar brand of basketball. If you're looking at USC's point spread amongst the uh, starting five, you're looking at 12 points, 10 points, 17 points, 5 points, 13. And even amongst the bench players, 5, 9, 2, 10, and, and another 2. So not too much of a difference between each individual player. Right. Yeah, balance is key in the tournament. You you can get away with one superstar and win, but it's a lot harder. You know, you see it, Syracuse 2003, Carmelo Anthony, that's the one that comes to mind. Kemba Walker, UConn 2011. But you really do want a balanced team because if you rely on one guy, it's it's tough. He, if he has an off night, then you're out. So you, you want to have two, three, four guys that can score the basketball. But uh, other than that, man, yesterday we saw a 50% upset rate. There were eight games. Four games were upsets. Today, only a 25% upset, upset rate, so cut in half. You had Oregon over Iowa, and then obviously to the USC over Kansas. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that's moving in a direction now. The upsets are happening at a more frequent pace. Bro, second years. round, that's a combined 75% upset rate. Well, four plus two, so there's six, right? Six upsets in the second round out of 16. You had, yeah, four of eight and then two of eight. So, yeah, six of six. So, fifth, so half. Right. Yeah. And that's still an uptick from even five years ago. There used to be the first round would be, all right, you're going to get a 12. Everybody always talked about the 5-12 matchup. All right, one of those 12s is going to win. And then you'd get a 10 or an 11. And then by the time you got to the 13s, 14s, 15s, you're really thinking, all right, it's highly unlikely. You could go on a limb and pick one, but it's highly unlikely. And then the 16s never won, <laughs> right? And so that was just an automatic four games, just pick the one seed. But now, you know, there's more 15s winning, more 14s. And even the 16s, you kind of look at the matchup now, you're like, all right, maybe there's a chance because <laughs> there was a 16 that it won two years ago in the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, the 2018 year where Virginia was the number one overall seed and lost first round. So now you just look at it, you're, it could be any game. You could see an upset. So it, it, it's, it's gotten really fascinating to watch. I think it's partly because the better programs don't keep guys around long. They leave after one year. So they don't ever really build up super programs. And then the smaller programs, you can get a guy who let's say there was an issue with grades coming out of high school and they just didn't get the offers because they didn't qualify. Their GPA was low. So they go to a junior college or a small college. And then all of a sudden they pop up and you're like, where did this guy come from? And then it turned out, you know, he didn't have the grades or there's something that was going on extracurricular and, and he, didn't qualify so you have all these special cases too where these guys pop up at small programs and then these small programs have one or two really good players and they make a run it makes basketball really interesting college basketball because you never know what's going to happen that first round and now as you mentioned even in the second round a lot of times those teams wear themselves out trying to win a game but now you're seeing seeing oral roberts win two games right and you've got other teams that Loyola Chicago winning two games, they beat Illinois, who is a lot of people thought a top two or three team in the country. So you're starting to see that more frequently. I think, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, 
nobody would expect Oral Roberts to make a Sweet 16. This is before Dunk City, which I mentioned earlier in the podcast. And then teams like Davidson with Steph Curry have kind of opened the door. More and more small schools feel like they got a shot. If you get hot and you got a couple of good players, you can make the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. So it's happening on a much more frequent basis. Yeah. I mean, the game I'm looking forward to the most on in the Sweet 16, because it is set for next weekend, it's a it's an official Sweet 16, is USC and Oregon Pac-12 showdown. Yeah, that'll be a great game. High scoring. Um, and then, obviously, we'll, we'll see if Oral Roberts can uh, pull off the Arkansas upset. You, you think they can got, got what it takes? I, I actually think they have a shot. Now they get to rest up. And Arkansas, they have this new coach who coached at Nevada, Mountain West School, a guy named Eric Musselman. And he's a real good coach. He got Nevada the Sweet 16 a few years ago. But he's never gone past the Sweet 16. And then Arkansas, the program hasn't been real successful since the 90s. I mentioned 95. They went to the championship, lost to UCLA under a coach named Nolan Richardson. But they haven't had that level of success in a long time. So it's new territory for the program, for the coach. So they might might have a tough time with Oral Roberts because they're not necessarily a powerhouse. So Oral Roberts, you never know. They they could they could win another one. Arkansas, I'm looking, they're gonna be favored, it looks like by eleven. Yes, eleven points. But that doesn't really matter to Oral Roberts. I'm sure Ohio State was Ohio State was was more. Uh, I'm almost hundred percent sure. So they're not gonna be phased by being eleven point underdog. Uh of course I also- Go ahead. I also think that uh, that shortened off season or shortened season, because uh, a lot of those teams' seasons were cut by a two or three games at the end there, and a no off season is going to actually benefit Oral Roberts. Yeah, because if you look at these smaller schools, the Oral Robertses, the uh, SDSU's, the Abilene Christians, the some of those are already eliminated, obviously. Yeah. Loyola or Chicago, they don't have the resources these bigger D1 schools do. They don't do as much training. They don't do as many meetings. They don't, uh, they just don't have the same money that is poured into these bigger D1 schools. And so they're used to just kind of going off on a whim and playing ball. Whereas these bigger D1 schools, you get these guys that are great. But with less practice comes a little bit of rust. And so you throw them in these playoff games and they don't know what to do. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think this year you're hopefully going to see a non-Power 6 conference. When I say Power 6, I mean Big 10, SEC, ACC, Big 12, Big East, Pac-12. I think Gonzaga will do it, but... Houston also has a great program. They're an American athletic, which is a bit of a mid-major conference. You know, that's the conference with Wichita State who moved from the Missouri Valley, which is Loyola Chicago. And so I, I hope to see one of those teams from a, from a non-Power 6 conference win. Gonzaga and Houston obviously are higher seeded, but they're still considered non-Power conference teams. And then, as you said, you got these Oral Roberts, these Loyola Chicago's that are really small that are lower seeds, not expected to go very far, and they're in the Sweet 16. So I like it. It's good to see 
the Pac-12, speaking of Pac-12, it's good to see them do well because we're West Coast guys. So I don't mind to see if you're going to see one major conference do well, the Pac-12, because we got that connection with the West Coast out here. USC, UCLA, Stanford, Oregon, on and on. So they don't get a whole lot of credit, though. They're the the least credited major conference of late especially when it comes to football. That's another topic. But even basketball, you know, it seems like nobody respects the Pac-12 these days. So it's good to see them do well and see the ACC be humbled a bit this year because you look through it and usually ACC will have four teams, five teams in the Sweet 16. They'll have nine teams or 10 teams even in the tournament to begin with. And then this year you're looking through it and I see, well, Syracuse who's a bit of a surprise. They're ACC. And then that's all I see. Uh, all I see is Syracuse. So the, or no, Florida State. Florida State and Syracuse. So Florida State's another one. But they only got two. So they're down a little bit. The, the conference that struggled is the Big Ten. They actually had the most teams this year. They had nine teams make it. And as of now, well, there's Michigan. Michigan's still in the tournament. Obviously, you know about Illinois. They fell to Loyal Chicago. They were a Big Ten team. Iowa lost. And you look through it, and I'm only seeing Michigan left. And you could look through it too, Big J, but that's all I see. <laughs> up is nine- down and down is up, man. Yeah, they only had Even one Even freaking Toothpaste University won a first-round game. Are you talking about Colgate? Colgate, toothpaste well, Col- University. I don't know if Colgate pulled it off. They were close. Didn't they lose to Arkansas? I think they lost to Arkansas in the first round. But they, oh, they gave right. them a game. Yeah, they were close. They were right there with Arkansas. And that's that's the other part of it. There was near upsets. So there's upsets and there was plenty of near ones where you, where you thought, wow, this could be even more spectacular for the underdog. And so, yeah, that's, that's March Madness for you. It's anything goes and you just roll with it. And if you're playing in a March Madness pick'em challenge, just remember, if you have the final four, you're fine. Because so many people miss the first two rounds. There's always upsets. And as long as you kind of keep your final four picks intact, you're you're going to have a shot to win whatever group you're playing with. If it's five people, eight people, because those final four picks are the valuable picks. And every round you... If you play a traditional format, it doubles the points. So the first round is a point, second round's two, sweet sixteen games are four, lead eight's eight, and then sixteen and thirty-two, final four and championship. So that's if you're doing the pick 'em, which I've done before. I don't do those anymore. Too frustrating, Big J. All I know is I'm not making any more picks because my bracket is crapped. Well, you at SDSU, we we talked about SDSU last week, and both of us were rooting for him with our hearts. I know I think I mentioned at one point that I was a bit worried. I thought Syracuse would be a tough matchup, and then sure enough, they they lost to Syracuse. So, well, that's SDSU, right? That's rooting for San Diego sports teams in general. Imagine all the money Vegas has lost. <laughs> Yeah, it's on Oral Roberts alone. Yeah, obviously they do better with favorites winning because if the favorites win, then obviously the payout's lower. So I think they're hoping to see the favorites win more in the next week 
if if Gonzaga and Michigan and Houston and Baylor, if those teams win, they'll they'll recoup the money and they'll they'll be fine. But who's rooting for Vegas, right? I mean, they wouldn't money in so many ways. Why would we want them to win in sports betting? So I, I don't I don't mind seeing Oregon State make the final four or Loyola Chicago or Oral Roberts, wouldn't that be something if they somehow pulled that off? Man, that'd be like that. It kind of reminds me of the Davidson years when Steph Curry was playing. Yeah, they were a 10 seed that made the Elite Eight. And so this would be even more so, a 15 seed, if they could make the Elite Eight. The lowest seed to ever make the Final Four, Big J, is an 11 seed. So right now we have two teams below that. One is Oregon State. They're 12. And then we also have Oral Roberts, who would be a 15. So if one of those two could somehow make the Final Four, that would be history. And we've had a few 11 seeds. We've had Loyola Chicago. We've had VCU. We've had George Mason. But that's as low as it goes. So, yeah. Let's be honest. I mean, those 11 seeds still don't come around very often. No, no, even that's very surprising. You see an 11 seed make the Final Four. So, yeah, if we could see Oral Roberts continue as a 15 seed to the Final Four, that's just remarkable if that happened. Imagine if they win it all. They'd make a movie about it. <laughs> It'd be like Glory Road. Yeah, uh, that's absurd. Because uh, the lowest team to ever win it all, I want to say was, and maybe you could look this up while I'm pondering it big j i want to say it was an eight seed and i want to say that team was villanova 1985 i know i've heard this trivia before and i'm pretty sure that's the answer so i think an eight seed is the lowest that's ever won so if one of the teams like let's say well we already talked about oral roberts but oral roberts oregon state syracuse ucla any of those teams they're all double digit seeds well, we shall find out next Saturday. Yes, next Saturday and Sunday is when the tournament continues, my friend. And I'm excited to see some more action. And then this year it's different because the Elite Eight games will be Monday and Tuesday. And so those will be during the week. And then the Final Four is on Saturday, which is the usual schedule. And then they'll be competing with Major League Baseball by the time the Final Four comes around, which will be a topic for another day. Major League Baseball. So, yeah, that's the rundown of college hoops. I hope you've enjoyed it. Giving you a little history to go along with the Sweet 16. That's in play coming up this Saturday. Well, Big J, it was enjoyable as always. Looking forward to a next one already. Again, next episode, I've got NBA talk, my first NBA segment talk a little bit about the trade deadline action and we'll see how that plays out that nba trade deadline is the 25th so that is coming up in just a few days so when my next show comes out it'll come out right right at that trade deadline so we'll plenty of nba to talk about big j when are the freaking houston rockets gonna win a game is my question yeah what are they at now 18 losses 20 in a row 20 in a row they hit 20 nice that's an impressive streak that's kind of like if you pick march madness and you get them all wrong you should win something if you get them all wrong (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
Stadium. That's the Houston Rockets. Let's get the Houston Rockets to fill out the brackets. They, that's they, almost, they do that's well. almost just as hard as getting them all right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like that card game where you have to shoot the moon and you take all the hearts. Hearts, that's the name of the game. That's what the Houston Rockets are doing, shooting the moon. All right, Big J. Well, until the next one, thank you for tuning in to today's show. You can catch me every Tuesday and Friday in the afternoons, wherever you listen to the podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Smack Sports Inc. This is Afternoon Drive on the Smack Sports Radio Network. Until the next one, I'm Thomas Vermazen signing off. <laughs>